Good evening. How are we all doing? You're good, and uh, it's good to be here in Rolleston. I've never been to Rolleston before, and so the first time for everything, and uh, I love the fact that God puts you in different places. Uh, right now, my wife, Kathy, is in Tauranga, and she's there with my second daughter, and so uh, Kathy's ministering in our church there in the morning, and Ruby, my daughter, is ministering at the night service. I've got a 13-year-old at home. Uh, with the 21 who's supposed to be looking after her, but I'm not sure uh, how that's happening. So if everybody could just pray with me right now and pray that my 13-year-old is still alive by the time I get back uh, tomorrow afternoon. But uh, what an honor and privilege it is to serve God. And uh, it's great to see so many people out on a Saturday night. And I know there's many other things that you can be doing, but um, to invest into God's call on your life is a really good decision uh, because one thing is, hey, the rugby, you know, that comes and goes and, uh, you know, there's always another game. But uh, when it comes to our eternal destiny, how many know this counts and this counts big time and it's great to have the crew from Timaru here and, uh, you know, also Christchurch guys around. And, and I really believe God wants to position uh, ex-churches in this region for something significant, something that we've never seen before. And I know God's done uh, great things, but I believe we haven't seen anything yet uh, in regards to what He wants to do. And uh, there's just this feeling in my spirit coming into this place. You know, Rolleston has come from nowhere. It's like, you know, all these houses, all these people, it was just once farmland. And to see what's happened over a short amount of time is incredible. And I've got a feeling in my spirit what God's about to do in this region. It's almost going to like come from nowhere. And Because uh, how many know God's great, uh, good at creating something out of nothing? And uh, it may seem like nothing at this stage, but I, I believe a whole lot's going to happen out of nothing. Something's going to take place out of nothing. And uh, we're going to see God do a, a mighty work. Uh, in this next season. Uh, how many can believe for that? And uh, I believe this is our day. At the beginning of the year, I said to our church, we're going to go big. It's time to go big. Uh, you know that expression, go big or go home? I said, well, we've done home. Especially in Auckland, we did home for a long time. Uh, so now's the opportunity to go big and really take what we believe God's placed on our heart and uh, not just think about doing something, but actually step into it and see it become a reality. And by God's grace, you know, we've been able to plant just in Auckland two new locations. We made a decision two weeks out. We're going to start two new locations. And uh, we planted east and west. And uh, now we've got two new locations uh, in in, uh, Auckland. We went into lockdown with four locations around Auckland. Now we've got uh, seven. Uh, We've got seven. Another church also has come on board as well. And uh, God's just moving mightily. And I, I love the fact that even during a pandemic, we've seen the church grow. We've seen the church move forward. Who, who would have thought, you know, we'd be able to have uh, a, a church, well, plant a church in Budapest. Budapest. A lot of people don't even know what country Budapest is in. How many know what country Budapest is in? It's in Hungary. Yeah, that's right. Hungary. Somebody else says something different over here. Uh, who, who was that? Hungary. Hungary's not just a state of being. It's actually a country. And, uh, you know, we're reaching right now over 250 people in Budapest. And uh, that church is going from strength to strength. And in, in, in about a month and a half, I'm going to be in that place. Also, uh, we've been able to launch a church in Mexico. 
in, in Mexico, and we're officially launching that church in August this year. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there in, in Mexico as well. But I love the fact that what uh, could have been things that were limiting, we've used those natural limitations to be able to serve God's purpose. And one thing I've found is nothing can chain the Word of God. Yeah, a pandemic can't chain God's Word. Uh, it can't limit what God, uh, God wants to do. And I know we're past that, but I believe God is wanting to take us into a wide open space. So, so we can see some of those things that He's spoken to us about fulfilled. In fact, I, I love a verse found in Genesis. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. It talks about how... Isaac sowed in the land. He sowed in the land, and it says, and that same year, he reaped a hundredfold. How many know that's a supernatural harvest? To sow in the land and in the same year reap a hundredfold is, is incredible. But the next verse says that, that the man prospered and continued to prosper until he became prosperous. That's a strange little uh, statement there, but there's a lot just in that verse. You can look it up in the New King James Version where it says he prospered. So, so he reaped a hundredfold, but, it, but that wasn't just for a moment. He continued to prosper until he became prosperous. I really believe there's a danger in the church and in our lives that we prosper in moments and we don't continue to prosper until we become prosperous. See, God doesn't want to just do something in a moment in our lives. He wants to build upon that and take us into a place of destiny and purpose that, that's far and beyond what we could ever imagine or think. Because that's God's plan for our lives. And I, I know when it comes to being a leader, you know, one thing I didn't choose was to be a leader. I grew up in a Christian home. I've got two brothers and a sister. We're all born a year apart. My parents had four year, children in four years. And uh, yeah, they were busy. And, uh, but because there was two brothers, I got two brothers and we're all born a year apart. There was a lot of competition in our household. And we used to, uh, you know, have comp- competitions with one another, do crazy things. And, you know, often our activities would, uh, would end with one of us going to A&E. Uh, that was uh, a common place that we used to visit uh, on a regular basis. But one thing we had a competition over is none of us wanted to be the pastor. Uh, None of us wanted that. And somehow, you know, I drew that straw. (laughs) I I became the pastor. But it wasn't something that I thought, man, I really want to become pastor and leader. Uh, But what I knew in my heart is that that God, God had got a hold of my heart. So, so much that I just wanted to serve him. And through the process of serving him and putting one foot in front of the other, I found myself leading people. See, I, I really believe God doesn't call us to a position as much as a place of service. And when it comes to leadership, leadership is simply serving people. Jesus displayed the greatest leadership this world has ever ever seen. And he said himself, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And many people, you know, when it comes to leadership, they think it's a position. They say, you give me the position and then I'll function. I say, no, that's not how leadership works. You, you function and then we'll recognize the position. 
And a lot of people go, well, I I need the position to function. Uh, Yeah, you can function in leadership from a positional point of view, but you won't function from an authentic place as to what it means to actually lead people. And so I found myself in a a position where I was leading people and people go, oh, you've got a leadership gift on your life. And I go, okay, yeah, I have. And I go, okay, let's just follow that grace. And and now I find myself in, in this place where, well, I'm not just leading a few people. I'm leading churches and, and leading move, uh, movement and movements uh, around the world. But I love the fact that when you serve God, God positions you. And you can be confident in God's positioning. See, if you position yourself, you have to keep yourself in that position. Uh, but if God positions you, you can put a demand on Him. And there's not a day that goes by where I, I don't pray, God, I say, God, you put me here? You flipping better come through. <laughs> if I put myself here, I've got to rely on my own resources. But if I know God's positioning, you know, I can rely on His resources. And I've always said, well, if we're going to do this, let's do this. In fact, one thing we say at our church is, come on, we're here to reach our city. Um, we're, we're going to either reach the city or we're going to close our doors. We're not going to do anything in between because that's religion. And I'm going, hey, there's an easier way to earn a living than being a pastor. And so if we're in this, we're, we're in this. And let's go after it because I, I, I don't want the position. I don't need the title, but I, I do want to see our world change. And I do want to see people encounter Jesus. And when it comes to church, church is the only group of people on the face of the earth that exists for its non-members. Think about that. Every other society, every other group exists for the people within its walls. But we exist for the people in our community. And what I want to see Acts churches up and down this nation and all around the world reaching their communities for Jesus. I love the fact that on Zoom we are seeing people saved. In fact, on Zoom, our youth had an encounter night. And uh, there was a boy who had given his heart to Jesus, but on Zoom, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues for the first time over Zoom. Come on, how many know God can use anything? And, uh, you know, I love the thing, the fact that things are, are moving. Just recently, we had an uprising with our youth. Just a, a, a local church youth group saw over a thousand young people come out and 278 give their hearts to Jesus. And we're living in great days. Coming up just in the next week, we got shout. And I remember a time where we used to prophesy that one day as churches will fill arenas. I love the fact that shout conferences in an arena and, and that my daughters think that that's normal. You know, I've been around a while. There was, there was a time where that, if that happened, man, that would be crazy. We're living in it today. But some of us take it for granted because it's just, oh, yeah, that, that's normal. But we, we prophesied that, and now we're living in the reality of it. And I, I love the fact that we're living in what we prophesied 20 years ago. And I feel like God's saying, hey, come on, let's continue to prophesy, and let's see some of those things become a reality. Come on, we want to see a building here in Rolleston. And I don't believe it's going to take 20 years. 
Come on, we want to see that in the same year. You know, Isaac sowed in the land, what? And that same year he reaped a hundredfold. Come on, we need a, a hundredfold harvest when it comes to resources. Do I get an amen to that? Amen. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to share um, tonight is just talk about the paradigm of leadership um, and, and the thinking around it because I, I find so often we can be trapped by, by how we've been brought up. We can be trapped by what we know. Um, and some of us, you know, always go, man, we need to go to another level. You know, we've heard that around church a lot. Oh, we need to go to another level. But here's the thing. If you don't know what the next level looks like, uh, there's a great chance you'll never go to it. Uh, the next level, here's a thought. The next level, what does the next level look like? What does it look like? The next level looks like whatever is frustrating you right now fixed. That's what the next level looks like. Many people, oh, we're going to another level, but it's like, what does that look like? It looks like whatever is frustrating you fixed. And I believe God wants to take us to a a whole nother level, not just a new level, but a whole new dimension. So many people you know, think incrementally these days. Like we think after three comes four, after four comes five, after five comes six. I, I love my daughter when she was three years old. She says, Dad, can I, uh, after three, can I become 30? You know, I don't know why she'd want that, but that's in a three-year-old mind. But so often uh, many of us go, well, the next level to where we are is, if we're at three, the next level's four. And the next level after that's five. And we think sequentially in our, in, in our thinking. But I believe God is looking for a group of people who he can take to a whole new dimension. And for that to happen, many of us go, well, oh, well that means we're going to have to work harder. Uh, we just need to work harder. But when that doesn't work, we think, oh, man, we just need to work smarter. We get a few self-help books and we read those and we just need to work smarter. And when that doesn't work, we think, oh, well, we just need to be more excellent. We need to do it better. But when that doesn't work, we get frustrated and we think, oh, man, maybe we just need to camp out at where we are. In fact, a lot of people today have scaled back their dreams because they've experienced disappointment. And because we don't like the feeling of disappointment, we, we scale back our dreams to where we live, where rather than saying, hey, God, there, there's a way of, of doing this. There's a way to reach our community. There's a way, uh, there's a way to see an, uh, the impact that we have in our hearts, but, but we, we just haven't thought about it yet. See, many people get trapped at a level simply because they're trying to tweak stuff in a broken system. And what they don't realize is the system they're operating in is broken. And you can make all the tweaks you like, but it's never going to bring the growth that you desire. And I love Jesus because when Jesus came along, he he didn't come to, to warm our hearts as much as shatter our categories. Shatter the way that we think about things. Could it be right now we're looking at things wrong? In fact, Jesus time and time again would say things like this. You've heard, it, you've heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it, you, you think this way about this, but I want to change the way you think about it. 
See, the problem in a lot of places in churches, if you've been around for a while, is we speak Christianese. Uh, uh, we understand the Christian language. We understand the language of faith. But we yet don't think in the language that we're speaking. See, uh, uh, case in point, we've got um, a pastor in Switzerland, good dude, met him when he was 18, didn't speak a word of English. He uh, spoke Italian, he spoke French, he spoke Swiss German, but he didn't speak a word of English. He just used to smile and nod and pretend he understood, uh, but he didn't really understand. But what happened is he ended up coming to our church in London and uh, he learned some English, and uh, there were some words he learned that we said, hey, you can't say those words. You, you can't say those words. Anyway, he met this Romanian lady, a Romanian lady, fell in love with her, got married. And, and get this, for them to communicate, they had to communicate in their second and third languages. So, so he learned English, it was about three down the list, and, and her mother tongue was Romanian, so... Uh, English was a second language for her, and that's how they would communicate with one another. And you thought marriage was hard. I mean, no, that, that's another level there. But, but I think that, that's incredible. But then I think of our German pastor who married a Danish woman. He, he speaks German, he speaks Danish, he speaks English. But not only that, he can preach in all three languages, uh, which is huge because... Because to preach, um, you, you, can't, you don't have time to translate. Uh, to preach, you've got to actually think in the language that you're speaking. And, and there's one thing to speak a language. You know, a lot of us did, did a high school language and we may know a few words and we think we can speak the language, but we're still translating from our mother tongue. Do you know a big issue right now when it comes to leadership in the kingdom of God is we've got a lot of people speaking Christianese. They're speaking the language of faith, but they're not yet thinking in a way where we're going to see that which is not become a reality. See, 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 we can speak about it, but not think in that way. And I want to take you quickly to a well-known story in the Bible. In fact, it's, it's an important story. How do I know this? Because it's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the feeding of the 5,000. We know that story. Lift your hand if you know this story. It's a, it's a well-known story. So uh, it's like God thought it's a big enough story. I want to include it four times. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they're going, man, I, I need to get in on this and share my perspective on the story. I'm going to highlight uh, the, the, the Mark, Mark's version of this. But it's uh, important to, to look at the story because that, this was a miracle that didn't just happen once. And everybody was fed and everybody goes, yeah, awesome miracle. And then they went back to their normal life. In fact, uh, the story is recorded in Mark chapter 6. But then Jesus later referred to it in Mark chapter 8. And he said to the disciples this, he said, Are your hearts so hard that you didn't learn from what I did back then? So in other words, he was saying, there was something in the miracle I did there that was meant to change the way that you think. You experienced the miracle. You prospered in a moment, but you didn't continue to prosper. 
And in fact, you're in a place that's no different to where you were before that miracle. How many of us have experienced miracles in our life and we've just gone back to the same way we think about stuff before we experience the miracle? See, I I believe a key to growth and leadership is to say, God, I, I want you to change the way I think. I want you to change my mind. See, Bill Johnson says this. He says, a lot of people repent to be saved, but they don't repent enough to see the kingdom. And a lot of us, you know, we're saved, but still thinking as the world thinks. And if we're to see change, if we're to, to, to see a whole new wave of leaders come through, it's, it's, it's going to require a change in our perspective. I, I like uh, Henry Ford. Henry Ford was a bit of a game changer. He said, if I just gave people what they wanted, I would have given them faster horses. How many know a car beats a faster horse? Fast horse. It uh, beats a fast horse any day. I'd, I'd rather be in a car than on, on a horse right now. Uh, but some of us right now, because our thinking, we're going, well, we need to make this horse go faster. And God's saying, I've got a car. But because we haven't changed our thinking, we're, we're trying to, you know, here, here's, here's the deal. A deal. If, if the horse is dead, dismount. Uh, don't try and flog. Uh, dismount. Uh, there's a car. Some of us right now, you know, when it comes to God's purpose, His purpose requires us to go over water. And we're going, well, I can't get there in my car. And God's going, well, that's why I've given you a plane. See, I really believe God wants to update our mode of transport. Come on, how, how, how many can believe that we get an upgrade when it comes to our mode of transport? Some of us have been thinking this way and we're limited God, but God wants to upgrade us. He wants to take us from the horse to the car, or if not just the car, he wants to take us from a car to a plane. Do I get an amen on that one? Because he wants us to go to places that we've never been before. And, and when it comes to you know, church life, we need to change the game. How many know in sports, I like sport, uh, there's a lot of game changers out there. People who just change the game, change the way it's played. The, the Michael Jordans of this world, change, change the game. You know, when it came to cricket, you think of cricket, not many people like cricket, but uh, in yesteryear, 250 in a one-day game was a, a par score, on par score. I think recently somebody, a, a team recently got close to 500. That was once thought impossible, but with the introduction of 2020, it's like they're just breaking through barriers. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to church, they think, well, that's a big church. When, when it comes to big church, I go, big compared to what? You know, we don't have any big churches. In Auckland right now, there's two stadiums being filled this weekend with the All Blacks and with the Warriors. Don't know why anybody would watch the Warriors, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but two games, jam-packed. Oh, we're tiny. Yeah, we may be getting thousands of people, but we're still tiny compared to what's happening in that space. Big is subjective. But some of us, we're just limited our thinking to, to what we've known. 
and I believe God, come on, I, I feel like in this room, God wants to stretch the level of our thinking. God wants to change the game. If we're going to see a revival in our lifetime, it's all good praying about it. But if we can pray to a blue in the face, but unless we change the way we think, we'll still be sitting. Where we're sitting in a few years time, maybe with a little bit of incremental growth, but not the growth that God desires. Come on, how many want to see revival? Come on, I want to receive revival in my lifetime. Some of us getting older. Add 10 years to your age right now. You know, some of you are freaking out right now. If you added 10 years to your age, you are not that young. We're all getting older. And so that's why we need to change our mind now. Okay, okay, okay. if we're going to change the game, I just got some thoughts, some thoughts that I want to extract from the story, the story of the five loaves and the two fish. Because Jesus, one of the disciples, to, to get the nutrients out of that miracle so that they could build on top of it. And, and when it comes to what God's done in our life, come on, let's not just settle for a miracle and then go back to normal. Let's build on top of it and see what God wants to release. Do I get an amen to that? Amen. Okay, number one, if we're going to change the game, number one, we need to draw a bigger circle. If you understand the context of the miracle, as the disciples had just been, been in a busy season of ministry. In fact, the Bible says they've been so busy that they hadn't even had a chance to eat. Now that's busy because most of us prioritize food. They've been so busy they hadn't had a chance to eat. They get in a boat to go and get some alone time with Jesus, some alone time with Jesus. They get in the boat, they get to the other side only to find that the crowd has followed them. Jesus, he has compassion on the crowd. He sees the crowd and he begins to teach them. But it's getting late in the day. It's getting late in the day. And I'm sure the disciples are hungry and the disciples are going, hey, time out, Jesus, time out. Uh, We need to send the people away because they haven't had a chance to eat. We need to send them into the villages. You know, how many know? You know, it wasn't just about the crowd's hunger. Because remember, it was the disciples who'd been so busy, they hadn't had a chance to eat. Now, I want, if you're a parent here, I want you to be really honest. Um, how many here, uh, parents here, have ever blamed something on the kids that they're feeling? It's like, oh, the kids are really tired and grumpy. Uh, I need to take them home. But really, you're the one who's tired and grumpy. The kids are having a good time. Yeah, yeah, come on. Do I get any? Uh, yeah, I got some people. Oh, oh, the kids are really hungry. The kids. Well, what are the disciples doing here? They're, they're saying, "Oh, Jesus, the, the crowd, they're really hungry. Uh, we we need to send them into the villages so that they can get something to eat." What were they concerned about? They were concerned about their own need more than anything. It's like, uh, what were they about to do? They were about to send away a miracle. A miracle. Jesus says to them, no, you give them something to eat. And they're going, ah, how, how the heck are we going to do that? Here, here's the thing. So often many people uh, draw, don't even draw a circle. When it comes to their life, their life's all about them. It's, it's like it's about their need. If you're not going to lead anybody, you've got to look past your need. We've got to draw a big enough circle that it includes our community. 
We've got to draw a big enough circle that includes our neighbors, that includes our workmates, that includes the people in our world. How big is the circle of your life right now? For a lot of people, they're Christians, but their life isn't even a circle. It's just an outline of their body. And the place that you normally find that is at a crash scene, which means you're dead. And do you know there's a lot of dead Christians out there today simply because their life's all about them? It's about my, my need. But, but what would it look like if we drew a big enough circle that it include not just Rolleston, but the whole Canterbury region? Come on, that's, that's what we, where we want to see an impact. How, how big is the circle? See, I say to our church, we, we don't want to just do hard. God hasn't called us to do hard. So many Christians, oh, life's hard, or oh, this is hard, COVID's hard, everything's hard. God hasn't called us to do hard. He's called us to do the impossible. And, and so many of us restrict what God can do, you know, according to the need in our, we're so consumed with our need that God doesn't even have room to do anything if he wanted to do something. I believe the challenge of the church right now, here's the challenge of the church and the challenge of leadership is to have a big enough dream that's worth following. Have a dream that's worth following. Why, why would he, people be inspired by a small dream? Come on, let, let's dream big as to what God can release in this next season. Do I get an amen to that? We can sing songs that God likes to move mountains. How many got some mountains that need moving? I got plenty of mountains that need moving. I'm in a ten million dollar building project, and I'm needing some resources for that building project. We've just launched two new locations. Yeah, I love. There's always gaps, but let's draw a big enough circle where God can come and fill those gaps. Turn to your name and say, "Draw a bigger circle." You've got to draw a bigger circle because that will change the way that you think about things. Just quickly, you know, from a leadership perspective, in Deuteronomy chapter one, Moses is overwhelmed. He's burdened by all the needs of the people and he's suicidal. He says, God, kill me now. I'd rather you kill me, take me now than have to deal with all these burdens. What happens is he starts praying and you see it in the next verse. He says, God, may you multiply these people to be a thousand times more numerous than they already are. I'm going, hang on, Moses. You can't handle what's in front of you. And you're praying that God will multiply them a thousand more times. It's like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? I want to say he's got a problem. But because he's got a problem, notice this, he doesn't go and go, oh, I need a solution to that problem. He goes from the problem to the promise. May God multiply you a thousand more times just as he has promised. And from the promise comes the solution. Many of us, go, which was Jethro's advice, you see it in the next few verses. See, many of us in our leadership, we, we face a problem and we're looking for a solution. But the key to your solution needs, is found in your promise. In the promise, you found, find the solution. What's the promise God's given you? What's the promise? Don't go from the problem to the solution without seeing the promise. It's in the promise 
we get the right perspective. Number one, draw a big circle. Number two, if, if we're to change the game, number two, we need to see inconveniences as opportunities. Inconveniences as opportunities. We like the church here and, and like the churches around, we're pack in, pack out churches. Our guys get up at 5.30, wake up at some guys 4.30 to pack in LED screens, the whole works. You know, they've done that for many, many years. Uh, we own our own building. We do own a theatre that seats 580 people. Um, That's the development we're going through now, but we just felt we need to reposition the church in the centre of the city. And so that meant that we went from going in, switching on the lights to a place where we're packing in, packing out, having all our gear in a truck. What I didn't see at the time, I think we made the call in 2009, around that time, to, to do this, is that we'd have all our gear now in a truck. Um. Now, it's an inconvenience packing in, packing out. You know, we, we do want a permanent space. But what I didn't see from that inconvenience, it would actually open up a greater opportunity, which meant that we could take our gear anywhere, into any stadium, into any venue around the country, and run rallies. In fact, that's how Revolution Tour was birthed where we're able to go right up and down the country and see thousands of people saved because we had all this gear in a truck. But if we didn't embrace the inconvenience over here, we would have never realized the opportunity over here. And and really for a church to move forward, it's got to see inconveniences not as obligations, but opportunities. How, how do you view the inconveniences in your world right now? Well, what happens when you get to the other side and you're surrounded by needs that you didn't anticipate on? Do, do you turn them away or do you see God in the middle of them? See, I, I want to say, you know, even in a pack in, pack out church, you know, man, a church comes alive. You build team in a greater way than if you just own your own building. There's a strength that you develop that comes from the struggle. In fact, in 2018, before the pandemic, our church in Auckland was in 25 different buildings in 30 weeks. We made 25 different buildings. We rotate around every week, different building, every week. Some of them coming back to the same. And and people go, well, a church can't grow through that. But we, we grew through it. The only way people knew where church, church was, was they get a text on a Saturday. The people we didn't want to come to church, we didn't send them the text. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Everybody got the text. Uh, but, but that's the only way. That's, uh, that, that's the only way. Do, do you know that's helped us during a pandemic? Because people had a flexibility to, to how they thought they didn't see church as a building. They saw it as a community of people. And so the inconvenience here actually positioned us for the opportunity over here. That means we can, that, that's the reason why we can launch two new locations in two weeks, because we've got a team that are ready to go. But so often we turn away, you know, oh, we don't want things to be inconvenient, not in this consumer, <laughs> consumeristic world. You know, consume, if you make things easy, you're never going to build disciples and I love the fact that people come to Equipage Church in Auckland because of conviction because God God's put me here God's put me here 
They're not just coming because they're having their needs met. They've got a conviction that goes beyond that. And that's how you build a church. Through people knowing that God's called them to this place and God's called us together to do something significant. So number two, see inconveniences, opportunities. Number three is, is we change the game when we release control. I want to speak to all the control freaks in the room. I don't know if there's any here, but I want to say there's a little control freak that lives on the inside of each and every one of us. That little mini me who looks relaxed on the outside, but all tense on the inside. It's like that, 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 that person who needs to have it all figured out. I, I, I like, I like um, in the story because Jesus told them, hey, you feed them, but he didn't tell them how. And then they try to work it out in their mind. If we're to feed all these people, it's going to cost more than a year's wages. How are we going to do that? And many of us, you know, try and figure it out. But I found when you have it figured out, you've factored God out. Yeah, you think of Father Abraham. Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons said, no, we're not going to go there on a Saturday night. Okay, Uh, but Father Abraham, you know, the Bible says that he was without child, but he said, took him outside of his tent and said, look up, count the stars if you're able. And he said, so your descendants shall be. What did Abraham do? He, come on, he believed. Yeah, he believed. That's why he's the father of faith. He believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He, he believed crazy dream and he believed that he was going to have children as numerous as the stars of the heaven. Yeah, he believed. And, and then Abraham was called to this, this new land. He, he was called to this new place away from his father's house. He goes, go. God says, go and I'll show you this land. And in Hebrews, it talks about that Abraham left not knowing where he was going. I wonder how many of us would leave where we are right now on a promise. Many of us will go, oh, I need to know. I need to know where I'm going first. But it says Abraham left not knowing where he was going. See, many of us today, we go, okay, God, you show me and then I'll go. You show, I'll go. You show. But that's not how God works. And if you want to grow in leadership, this is how it works. It's not rocket science. You go. Where? Wherever he tells you. Just put one foot in front of the other. And as you go, he will show. But many of us go, no, God, I need you to show me. Show me and then I'll go. Show and I'll go. And God says, hey, no go, no show. If you stay where you are, I I can't reveal that because I can't steer a parked car. And some of us are in our garage wanting God to steer us. And as God God said, I can't do that. You actually need to put your foot on the accelerator and you need to move in the direction that you think in your heart where I'm leading you. And, and, And as you begin to take step, it's like, that, that's why the Bible says, you know, His Word is a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's like as we take another step. And, and 
in Old Testament times in those days, it's like how they would walk at night was they'd have lanterns on their feet. And as they take a step, it's like each step would light the way ahead. And some of us right now, uh, we're thinking about doing things, but we're looking for more details. And God's saying, you got enough. you got enough. Go. Go. Go with what you've got. Go with what you've got because there's provision if you take the journey. Come on, that control freak that needs to know all the details. Come on, you, you need to get out of control. Here's the thing. What I found is, is when you're in control, guess what? God's not. And, and we want God. It's God who builds this house. It's God. Who even If he, he builds it, he also protects it. And, and we want the stuff that God deals in, not the stuff that we deal in. Yeah, you can have a good business plan for a church. Important to be strategic in different things. But ultimately, we want God at the center of everything that we're doing. Because it's then Him, it's He and Him alone who gets the glory for what's done. So number four, three, is we need to release control. Which brings me to number four, last one. Oh, I added another one. Number, number four is we need to put ministry in the hands of every believer. Where did the miracle take place? It took place as they began to divide. And, and it was like, oh, there was more, there was more, there was more. Jesus gave thanks for it. He blessed it. And, and it multiplied. Churches for too long been a two-wheel drive. You know, there's different types of cars. You've got front-wheel drive, you've got rear-wheel drive, you've got all-wheel drive. Sadly, when it comes to church for too long, uh, we've either been front-wheel or rear-wheel. So front wheel drive, all the engine, all the power is in the front wheels and it's dragging the back wheels. How many know a lot of leaders are dragging people into stuff? Uh, for, for a rear wheel driver, it's like it's pushing. It's pushing the, the power's in the rear wheels and it's pushing. And so we're either being dragging or we're being pushing people into things. I believe the church needs to go into all wheel drive mode. How I many know all-wheel drives? You can't, to get up a mountain, you've got to have a four-wheel drive. And, and, and four-wheel drives is when the power is in every wheel. And we've got to get the church to a place where power is in every believer. It's in every wheel. And that's the only way that the church is going to be able to navigate the terrain that's ahead. Is when, when, when there's a release of ministry. If we want to see a miracle of multiplication, come on, how many want to see multiplication take place? Yeah, if we're to see that, we need to put power in every wheel. And that's from our youngest, uh, the youngest to our oldest. We need to see that take place, which brings me to number five. We're at a fifth one. Number five is we need to learn the mathematics of heaven. We need to learn the mathematics of heaven. Here's the deal. You suck at math and you don't even know. So, so many of us do calculations in our head of how things are going to work out. In fact, funny story, uh, once I was in a prayer meeting years ago and we had a staff member. And she was praying enthusiastically, passionately, and she says, God, we don't pray for one plus one, we pray for one times one. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I had to stop it right there and say, hey, that's actually decrease. Uh, we want increase, not decrease. Uh, right there. Uh, we want multiplication, don't we? Come on, how many want to see things multiply? Uh, multiply. Uh, it's, that's how God works. That's how God, God thinks. That's our creational mandate. I, I don't know if you realize this. In creation, there was a creational mandate to go forth and multiply. To fill the earth and to subdue it. That's, that's part of our creational mandate is to, to multiply. And, and when things are healthy, that's how it goes. When our thinking's right. When we're thinking multiplication is a, is a natural response. Now, now, how many people got fed that day from the five loaves and the two fish? How many, how, how many people? 5,000 5, men. Men, men. Got, got, that's what the Bible says. 5,000 got fed that day. Commentators would say there would be you know, 18,000 to 20,000 people there with women and children. That, that's a lot of people. From five loaves and two fish, from a little boy's lunch. That's quite a big lunch for a little boy though. Five loaves and two fish, I only got two sandwiches growing up. But five loaves and two fish wasn't enough to feed that amount of people. So what happened? It multiplied. It multiplied. How many people were fed? 5,000 men were fed. Where did the five loaves and the two fish come from? Where did the miracle come from? came from a little boy. Get this. It came from a source that they didn't even count. They only counted the men. They didn't count the children. They didn't even count. They didn't count one. But the miracle actually came from a source. They didn't even count. I want to say, the miracle that God wants to release in your life it's probably going to come from a place that you haven't even counted on. It's going to come from a place that many people have overlooked, many people have dismissed. Could it be God wants to do something again? And you're saying, well, if he's going to do it, this is how he's going to do it. This is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to take place. It's like Naaman coming to the prophet and going, well, I just need the prophet to wave over me. And the prophet doesn't even come out to meet him and says, go dip in the Jordan seven times. No, I'm not going to do that because that's not how it's meant to work. And it was name and servant that convinced him, hey, if the prophet says dip in the Jordan seven times, dip in the Jordan seven times. And he ends up doing it, humbling himself and doing it. And he, he's cured of leprosy. But so often we say, no, this is the way it's going to do it. I'm going to get this person to pray. This person's going to provide. This person's going to do this. And and we have it all defined. Could it be the miracle God wants to release in your life is going to come from an unknown source. But for that to happen, it's going to require you to trust in God. God, stop, stop counting. Just start trusting God. See, I found many people today, they have faith for the event. They have faith for the event of healing. They have faith for the, the event of God's miraculous provision. They have faith for the event of salvation, but they don't have faith in the person of Jesus. It's a big difference. Our faith is in Jesus, and He's good. He is good. And he wants to bless my life. He's for me 
tonight. And if God be for me, who can be against me? And my faith, no matter what happens, is in Him and Him alone. Not in the church growing. It's in Him. He's the head of the church. He loves this thing more than I love it. When things get heavy and hard, I'm going, it's your church. It's your church. I'm willing to do whatever, but it's your church. And my faith is in you. I'll do what I can, but God, you've got to come and do what only you can do. And I'm going to trust you. Come on, learn the mathematics of heaven. They go far and beyond our natural reasoning. Amen? Come on, let's change the game. What are you going to do to change the game? Draw a bigger circle. Number two, see inconveniences as opportunity. Number three, release growth. Release control. Not release. Release control. Number four, put ministry in the hand of every believer. Number five, learn the mathematics of heaven. How about standing to your feet? We are right now. I'm done. And I don't, like Dre said, I don't know what you came expecting, but I pray God would do something far and beyond. (laughs) Just in this moment, I I really believe tonight God wants to challenge people's paradigms. Just the way that you viewed things. And if we could all have a paradigm shift, I just think something new is going to be birthed. I just feel like there's a a provocation in this place. Some of us are settled and camped out with what we know. Some of us in this place, we've been believers for some time and and we've acquired a certain amount of knowledge, but I believe God is wanting to take a whole group in this place into uncharted territory, into places we've never been. And, And when that happens, there's excitement, there's life, that flows from that. There's people in this place, you know, it's just, you're a little bit bored. <laughs> I just believe God's got a uncomfortable, <laughs> exciting a journey ahead of you. But it's going to require you to step out. And as you step out, God's going to fill in the gaps. He's going to give you the details. He's going to color in, <laughs> color in the lines. But right now, I just want you to lift your hands to God because when it comes to leadership, leadership is all about vision and it's about faith. It's not about position and it's not about title. And what I believe tonight is God just wants to release fresh vision into people's hearts in this place. Vision where you you see something beyond what you know in the natural. In the first instance, you're going to go, that's crazy. But I don't want you to dismiss it tonight. Like Abraham, when God said, look up, count the stars if you're able. You want, you know, I want you to come to a place where you just say, God, I believe, I trust. I don't know how, but I trust, I believe. You're going to make a way where there's no way. You're going to bring something out of nothing. Come on, that's what we said right at the start. He's going to bring something out of nothing. Come on, He's going to do a miracle. For some of you here, it's believing for your family. It's believing for friends. It's believing for neighborhoods. For some here, it's believing that God's going to go before you. You know, when it comes to business opportunities and endeavors and 
you know, I, I really believe even right now, God wants to unlock a creativity in people's hearts and lives today. There's going to come a creativity. I want to prophesy that, that their creativity is going to come from conflict. You're going to be in a place where there's conflict. But as a result of the conflict, you're going to tap into a well where where creativity and innovation is going to flow. Come on, even right now, just where you felt stuck, where you felt limited. I I really believe God wants to take the limits off right now in Jesus' name. Come on, Lord, we say take the limits off our thinking, take the limits off our spirit. Lord, where people have been hemmed in, where there's been a confining, Lord, where the enemies try to confine us to what what we know. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, you lift the roof off our lives. Oh, that there'll be a breaking through in Jesus' name. Come on, I want you, right where you are, just begin to lift your voice. Come on, just just lift your worship to Jesus. Come on, let's not be quiet in it. Let's not be passive. Just even break the sound barrier with it. Come on, come on, let's lift up Jesus. Something happens when we focus our attention on Him. We thank you, God, for your anointing. A breakthrough anointing that's in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're going before us. You're leading us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just right now with eyes closed, maybe hands down for a moment. Just feel there's people here. You felt trapped and you felt stuck. It's just, I feel trapped and stuck. And God wants to liberate you tonight. God wants you to go out of this place with fresh revelation, with new hope. And if that's you, if you just witness with that, I feel trapped and I feel stuck. I want you to lift your hands where you are right now. Just, just lift your hands. I feel trapped and stuck. Right now, just a number of people responding. We thank you, Jesus. Right now, we surrender to you. Oh, we don't rely on ourselves to get unstuck. Lord, we thank you. You are the one who comes and brings freedom to our lives. And Lord, right now, we repent of every limiting thought. We repent, Lord, where we've seen things wrong. And today, we renew our mind and we allow you to work in our heart and we allow you to do a miracle in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now, just breathe afresh upon people. Oh, let the breath of life flow in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Lord, awaken. Just bring an awakening in people's spirits right now. Awaken. Awaken. Lord, awaken. Lord, where things have been dormant, I pray, let them come alive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you just to lay hands on your heart because it starts in your heart. I just feel like as you lay hands on your heart, it's like it's like there's a, there's a jolt of life. I don't drink coffee, but you know I know coffee gets the heart going, gets the juices going for many people, and I just feel like you know it's almost like for your spirit, your spirit person, there's a hit. A hit right now coming, a hit right now coming, right now in Jesus' name. 
Just say, I receive it right now. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you. Lord, in this next season, we're going to walk in your grace. Oh, and we're going to be fully alive, fully alive to everything that you're wanting to do and everything you want to release. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. If you receive that right now, I want you to give God a big clap of praise. Come on, let's give Him a big clap of praise. Come on, I reckon we could do better than that. Come on, let's give Him a big clap of praise. And I want to say, when it comes to leadership, it's like leadership has just been one step in front of the people around you. Some people think you need to be way, way ahead. But when it comes to faith and seeing things as God sees them, that's how you lead. It's like God's done this in me. I know He can do it for you. Come on, some of you already got testimony of what God's done, but you haven't shared that with anybody else. The way you lead people is just sharing what God's done. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's not about techniques. It's just sharing. Freely you have received, now freely give. Pass it on to somebody else. And you watch how God will go before you. Come on, how many believe we're in for good times? Come on, great times in Jesus' name. And I'm praying tomorrow is going to be significant in many different ways. But it's such a privilege. An honor to be here. Thanks for the team who put this on and the people who come out on a freezing cold. Well, it's freezing cold for Aucklander at least. Uh, freezing cold Saturday night. But it's, uh, thanks for coming out and listening to, to this guy speak. But uh, Pastor Dre, how about coming in? How many reckon he's awesome, amazing? Give him a big hand.